I will be sort of bouncing around a wee bit this morning. We're not going back to Luke today. Uh, There's a theme on my mind, and it is the theme of renewal, renewal, personal renewal. And so I'm, 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 I'm only just mentioning this psalm. I think I will probably preach this psalm in a few weeks' time because it's one that is becoming quite important to us as a church and as a leadership. And I want to ponder it, meditate on it. And we want to feed back to you as a leadership with some stuff that we've been talking about and processing some things that came through prophetic ministry a few weeks ago. And this will be part of it. But let me read just a couple of verses at the end of the psalm uh, as a starting point. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in my lifetime. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I think whenever you're trying to be faithful in ministry, when you're trying to just keep on keeping on and, and, and doing the stuff of church, as time goes on, you can start to wonder a wee bit, will I see it? Or am I laying the foundation for someone else? You start to, you're, you've been hungry to see a move of God and you've been praying and you've been waiting and you've been faithful and a wee creeping, nagging thought comes in, maybe we are sowing seeds for someone else to harvest. Maybe we are digging a foundation for someone else to build on. And I started to wonder lately, is that what's happening? And then this verse came that Tuesday night, which is becoming a key night for me in the whole journey. It was the 4th of April this year when when we had our friends from Tabar here. And this was like a key verse that they shared with us. And that phrase in verse 13 of Psalm 27, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living has re-stoked me that it is not a bad thing to be laying a foundation for someone else to come along and build on in the future, a next generation. It is not a bad thing to sow seeds for another generation to harvest, and hopefully those things will happen. But I want to see it. I want to see it. And I hope you want to see it as well. To see God move in our lifetime. In our lifetime that we could actually witness it. And this, this verse, this sort of prophetic word that came to us has, has renewed my yearning, my hunger, my fire, my belief that we are going to witness a move of God in this place in our lifetime. I believe it. I believe God spoke to us that night through that particular scripture. And the question that, I, that, I, that I've been pondering, and I guess I've been pondering this stuff for, for a long time, but more so this last couple of weeks, is what sort of people do we need to be in order to see what God wants us to see, his goodness, in our lifetime? To see him move, not just, not just his, his sort of individual faithfulness to us, as individuals, wonderful as that is. But to see God move, and and I've I've long held in my mind this just random little 
picture, this little pipe dream of as an old man sitting at the top of the town and thinking, wow, look what God did. <laughs> look what God did. Yeah, Ashley on a Zimmer frame and, and Stefan and his, and his stick and, and, and a few others of us just sitting up there saying, look what God did. Yeah, I believe we'll see it. But what sort of people do we need to be? Jesus said, it's a long time ago now that we were in, in Luke chapter 5, but Jesus said, new wine must be poured into new wine skins. And new wine does not mean different wine. It's not like God had a lesser wine and, and, and now it's a, it's a fresh supply. The new wine is the Holy Ghost. It's the outpouring of God's presence. It's his joy. It is his, his fulfillment of his kingdom. It is fresh. And the, the wine itself does not need to change. It's the wineskin that needs to change to accommodate the wine. This is what these wineskins would have looked at. There's obviously probably some hipsters somewhere in the world still drinking out of these because there seems to be some uh, knocking about. And that, that's, that's leather, right? So that's made from some unfortunate animal. And, and then there's a cork or something in the neck of it to obviously keep the wine in. And the, the wineskin, over a period of time, that wineskin had, like any leather that's not sort of looked after well, it has a tendency to become dry and become brittle, to age, to no longer have the flexibility uh, to be able to expand because the, the thing about new wine was that the fermentation process had not completely finished when it was put into the wineskin and there still would have been a little bit of carbon dioxide gas produced. That would have caused expansion and you had to have a wineskin that was flexible, supple, able to expand, able to shift and to move because of the power that was going to be inside it. A brittle wineskin, an old dried up wineskin would crack and would split and you'd lose the, 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 the contents. So how do we stop the wineskins from becoming brittle? That process as as you walk with God over a long number of years, how do you stay supple? How do you stay flexible? And that's that this word renewal has been on my mind. It's probably largely to do with the influence of of Mark Sayers who have quoted and I'm going to be quoting today uh, this 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 concept of personal renewal personal renewal um terry wallings who is mark sayers mark sayers mentor so mark sayers is is the pastor of red church in melbourne in australia he also does a weekly podcast called rebuilders where he will discuss the church and the culture and how the church needs to, to be postured. It's one of the most valuable things that, that, that I listen to on a, on a regular basis and quite a few others here as well. And Mark Sayers, his own mentor was a guy called Terry Wallings. And he says, personal renewal precedes corporate change. Now, if the word precedes is not part of your usual vocabulary, that just means comes before. Personal renewal comes before corporate change. What we want to see is corporate change. We want to see the church 
flourish in what God wants us to be. We want to see that overflow into the community around us, but we've got to bring it all back to personal. Personal. Me. (laughs) You. Individual personal renewal is an urgent need. If the wineskin is to stay supple and flexible, we must take on the responsibility that we have personally as individuals to have and to experience renewal in our own lives. Because that personal renewal comes before change on the corporate level, on the big level. And I want to talk about some very simple things today in terms of developing deep personal devotion. Deep personal devotion. To seek God on a personal level. What are the things that we need to do to to, to posture ourselves in order to do that? Renewal, Mark, Mark Sayers defines renewal as the refreshment, release and advancement that individuals, groups, churches and cultures experience when they are realigned with God's presence. Not just with God's purposes, but with his presence. That this, this renewal, this personal renewal that we're talking about is a realignment with the presence of God and seeking and living in the presence of God. There is a real danger in the church, any church, of becoming stagnant, bored, routine, where you just seem to settle for mediocrity. There's a great Robin Mark song um, called Men of a Certain Age. Probably it's not one that you would sing as a congregation. It's just a wee song that he wrote himself. And there's a line in it. It's got a sort of a surface meaning about getting older and then has a slightly deeper meaning. And he says, things you once stood for, now you stay seated. (laughs) Things you once stood for, now you stay seated. You've settled. You've got mediocre. You've got sort of anesthetized. And you've become dull in your walk with God. And as a wineskin, you are getting hard. You're getting brittle. The, the supple flexibility is not there anymore. The excitement of the early days, whenever a verse like this from Psalm 63:8 summed you up, my soul follows hard after you. Love that. That, that pursuit of God. That sense of drivenness and determination to chase God. But over time, that can fade. And it can fade anywhere. It doesn't matter whether it's a church you would describe as a more traditional church or a church you would describe as a more contemporary church because contemporary churches can become very traditional. Contemporary churches can become very traditional in terms of this is what we do and we get into a routine and we just gradually tick along in the routine. And that sense of pursuit fades. And on the Christian journey, this this idea of personal renewal is not something that just happens once, but it'll happen multiple times as we walk with God. Recalibration, realignment with his presence. 
And we've got to learn how we posture ourselves for renewal. What do we do? What are the simple things that we do if we're going to see what what needs to happen personally in our individual hearts? This is absolutely applicable to your individual walk with God. And then how that overflows into the corporate life of the church and the community beyond. So there's nothing new here. Nothing new. We're not, going to, we're not going deep into Obadiah to find some nugget that no one's ever heard before. This is basics, discipleship 101. In Second Chronicles 7.14, a verse that I'll come back to probably a wee bit later on, God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's the, 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 the big level change, corporate change and the wider community change. I will heal their land. But it all backs up to this first issue of prayer. Every renewal, personal renewal as you walk with God and realign with his presence or as a church corporately becomes renewed every single renewal in history every revival always marked out by a renewed hunger and determination to pray always now if you find prayer difficult join the rather large club all right No guilt trips here this morning. If you find prayer difficult, that's okay. If you find it hard to carve out undistracted, quiet stillness to talk to God in this crazy, busy world, if you find that difficult, that's okay. Plenty of us find that difficult. No guilt trips here. But if you have no interest in prayer, if there's a lack of prayer and you're not even concerned about it and you're quite content to lead a prayerless life you've sort of settled that it's okay to just go to church maybe even go to the prayer meeting but but not really pray pray yourself and not really be annoyed about it you know not really there are times when when we have periods when we know we're not praying as we should but I'd like to think there's a sense within us that there's something wrong and we need to address that. We need to realign, renew, recalibrate our prayer lives. But if we're in a place where we don't pray and it doesn't really bother us that we don't pray, that is a dangerous place. That is a really dangerous place. That's spiritual death to be there. Not just sleepiness, but death. And, and if we are, are in that place of being content with a prayerless life, we won't see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Even if we're here when it happens, we still won't see it. We still won't fully engage with it. We still won't fully appreciate what God wants to do if we are people who are prayerless. Every single renewal and revival in history can be traced back to a handful of people usually a very, very small number who got a fire in their bones about prayer and prioritized it. It could have been an individual frequently, a couple, a small group of friends, but they just get the fire for prayer. 
and they determine and they make sacrifices and they press in to that contending prayer and God moves on a large scale. But it all starts with a few who just drive in. Thank you, those of you that that just make it every week on a Tuesday night. I know some of you can't because of other commitments, no guilt trips. But for those who just show up and keep the engine turning in prayer, thank you. I believe God is already beginning to reward the faithfulness. I believe there's a shift as we pray corporately. There's, there's more of a hunger in the room. There's more of a sense of prophetic things being shared, scriptures being read. Oh, it's good. It's good. If you can be there on a Tuesday night, come along. Because I do believe God's already starting to, to seed this, this renewal. So prayer is, is one of the obvious ones. If you bought yourself a new wineskin, you know when you get a new product and it'll say how to, how to take care of this product? Um, it used to be on the inside of your t-shirt there'd be one label that would say how to wash it and now there's about 10 labels all stacked on top of each other like a wee book stitched into the, the inside of your t-shirt and you wonder when you're walking or running what this thing is that's flapping around against you and it's your, your book of instructions. If you bought a new wineskin and you wanted to know how do I look after this wineskin, the, the vendor who sold it to you would, would have given you a few hints and a few tips as to how to look after it. Because this thing, these things weren't cheap. A lot of work went into making one of those and stitching it, you know, get, getting the leather and preparing the leather and st- stitching it and all, all of that stuff. That, that, that took a lot of work. And to just use it once and then chuck it out, you know, there's no green bin in the ancient world to put your wineskin in that, that it's going to go and be recycled. You had to look after it. You had to try to keep it flexible, keep it supple. And it's really interesting how they did that. There was two ways, two care instructions that came along with your new wineskin. One, soak it in water regularly. That's the word. Ephesians 5, Paul talks about washing of water in the word. The word frequently likened to, to water and a washing And the other thing you had to do frequently with your wineskin was to treat it with oil. And in the scripture, oil frequently refers to the spirit. That anointing oil, that burning oil in the the lamps in in the temple. Water and oil keeps the wineskin flexible. Our problem is we are wineskins, we tend to get old, we tend to get dry, we tend to get brittle, and we can no longer handle the new fresh supply that God is bringing. How do we stay flexible? What are our personal responsibilities for personal renewal so that God can move corporately? Because every one of us is responsible. I will not have the attitude that, that the church rises and falls on the on the prayer life or on the faithfulness of a small number of people, okay? Every one of us has a personal responsibility to be in the word, in the water of the word and in the oil of the spirit. Word and spirit go together throughout the scriptures every time something new happens. Every time there is creation, new creation, new birth, you will find the word and the spirit are there functioning together. Right back in Genesis 1, the Spirit is hovering over the waters and 
The word of God speaks, the word and spirit together in creation. The creation of mankind, the word speaks mankind into being in Genesis 1. The spirit breathes life into him in Genesis 2. In Ezekiel 36 and 37, now Jude read Ezekiel 36 in her welcome. That was not set up. (laughs) Listen carefully when things like that happen. Thank you, Jude. Ezekiel 36 talks about the new, the new birth, the new life, and says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. It's the word. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. The word and the spirit. When Jesus is baptized, what we've got is... He goes down into the water. The Spirit in Luke 3 descends. The voice of God speaks. The Spirit and the Word as he embarks on his public ministry. When he speaks to Nicodemus about being born again, he talks about being born of water and the Spirit. In Acts 2, the Spirit is hovering over the church and falls on them and puts tongues of fire upon them. And Peter goes out and declares the Word from the book of Joel get this over and over again that valley of dry bones which do you know what sometimes can describe the life that needs renewed dryness and in that valley of dry bones what what comes the word comes Ezekiel's told to prophesy and the wind blows the breath comes and the dry bones are renewed back to life you have a responsibility to have a prayer life no guilt trips. I don't want anyone to go away guilty thinking I'm absolutely awful. I'm just, I'm a worm, okay? Because I haven't prayed enough. No, no, I want you to go away encouraged then. God spoke to me today and challenged me and invited me to press in in prayer. That's what I want you to hear. And you have a responsibility in the word and in the spirit. Because as we, as we soak ourselves daily, daily in the word of God, it keeps the wineskin flexible as we walk in the spirit it keeps the wineskin flexible and it's beautifully summed up and in, in, in a obscure little verse tucked away in ezekiel chapter 2 where we read as he spoke the word the spirit came into me the spirit and raised me to my feet renewed back up on the move as he spoke the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. So that's the, another one of these little things that we need to be doing if we're going to engage in personal re- renewal. The next one I want to mention is sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice. Something had to die for the wineskin to be made. Okay, we have this sort of cute perception of leather sometimes, but leather comes from animals, right? <laughs> Something had to die to make the wineskin. And we're not very good at sacrifice in, in the modern world. We want to do everything and have everything and be everything. Paul says in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sacrifice. If we want to experience personal renewal that leads to corporate change that affects the world around us, we have to sacrifice. I was listening to, to Mark Sayers' podcast a few weeks ago, maybe, maybe a few months ago, and he made this sort of brilliant point that I, that I would sort of summarize like this. We have so much freedom that we are enslaved by it. There is so much stuff that we have the freedom to do that we are almost oppressed by the need then to do lots and lots of things. He talked about how the world used to be governed and culture used to be governed by what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Whereas now people are largely governed by what they could do. Things that maybe 20 years ago you might have paid money to watch someone else to do it, you now can do it because it's become available on your level. So many things, that, so many experiences that are available to us. So many places we could go, things we could do. That, that it becomes oppressive. That freedom to be able to do so many things becomes oppressive because then we try to do them all. <laughs> and we become enslaved by that, that, that obsession to do things. We need to sacrifice. We need to make space in our lives. We need to make time. You're not going to experience personal renewal alongside 10 other things that you're heavily involved in. And I've said this before, but I think sometimes as parents, we, we do this with children where we want every child to be a brilliant musician and a brilliant academic and a brilliant athlete and we destroy them, sending them out every night of the week to all these different things. We could maybe open the back door. I'm about to, about to melt here. I don't know if anybody else is, is nearly... Just be a puddle preaching to you in a wee minute. Yeah, there's only so many things that you can squeeze into 24 hours. And some of us, our lives are so full, we cannot stop, we cannot slow down. What is it that needs to die in order for personal renewal to take place? That's going to be, the answer to that is going to be different for all of us. But there's probably something that at the very least needs to be seriously curtailed and reined in. Another thing is holiness. Not spoken about much. An old-fashioned word. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness... No one will see the Lord. Here's another way the wineskin can become hard and brittle. Are there things that five years ago you wouldn't have tolerated, but now you do? Ten years ago you wouldn't have watched something, but now you do. You wouldn't have read something. You wouldn't have listened to something. But over time... A bit of complacency has crept in. The wineskin's becoming a bit harder and you are getting sloppy about holiness. Personal holiness. The, the verse starts with the, with the phrase, make every effort. 
Some older versions, it just says pursue. Again, there's a, there's a pursuit. There's a chasing. There's a striving after holiness because God wants to indwell clean vessels. Clean. He hates sin. And any time I'm tempted to sin, I frequently just think, I, if, I, if I follow through with this temptation, I'm doing something that God hates. He's gone. <laughs> He's out of there. I'm on my own. God hates sin. And we should hate it too. Jesus went through unspeakable agony and anguish on that cross to pay the penalty for sin. Don't play with it. Don't tiptoe around it and see how close to it you can get without actually sinning. God wants clean vessels. And part of personal renewal is that renewed determination to pursue holiness. This is not about legalism. This is not about keeping a bunch of rules. This is about loving God (laughs) and loving Jesus and living in a way that honors him. And as I've mentioned the Father and the Son, I'll mention the Spirit who is called the Holy Spirit (laughs) for a reason. There is no spectrum here. We have unclean spirits. We have the Holy Spirit who governs you, who hovers over you, who indwells you, who influences you. I want to be filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He empowers holiness and I must pursue that holiness and not become sloppy and lazy and lax about it. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I think that cuts in two ways. If I don't pursue holiness, I won't see him. And I want to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to see it. If I want to see it, I need to pursue holiness. And if I don't pursue holiness, others will not see God in my life. I want others to see the character of God through me. And therefore, if I want them to see the Lord... I need to make every effort to pursue holiness. This is part of personal renewal. Personal renewal. And and sort of riffing off that a wee bit, John the Baptist says in John 3.30, he must become greater, I must become less. I must decrease. A, A concern, as Joel talked last week about, God's glory, a concern for God's glory, not my glory. You know, the the ability to be content in hiddenness. I read Eugene Peterson's autobiography last year, and one of the things that he struggled with so much was ministering in obscurity. Just that sense of he worked so hard and he was so faithful, and that sense in his journal entries sometimes, that frustration with obscurity. But it's in those hidden places that renewal and revival can spring forth. Jesus in the desert was in that place of obscurity and hiddenness, but he came out of the desert in authority and power because of the work that was done in the hidden place. And and there's a sort of an overlap between this concept of decreasing, becoming less, and also the concept of, of holiness, One of the most important questions, I don't know who was the first person to ask it, but one of the most important questions, who am I when no one is looking? 
because we're great at presenting the public persona. More so now, and, and teenagers, fabulous at it <laughs> because of social media. Great at presenting what we want people to see. Who am I when no one's looking? What do I say when no one is hearing? A random film came into my mind earlier called What Women Want. It doesn't sound like a film a pastor should be watching, but it's a comedy from about 20 odd years ago with Mel Gibson in it. And he gets an electric shock or something. And after he's got that electric shock, he can hear what women are thinking. <laughs> and it's quite, you know, it's been a long time, but I do recall it being quite comical and, and, and silly. But I wonder if my thinking became audible to people whenever you just utter something under your breath, you know, quietly, you know, you just, nobody hears it, but what if they did? <laughs> Who am I when no one's looking? What do I say when no one's hearing? What are the battles that I have and that I have won or lost that no one knows about? Where you're just in the hidden place battling. When are the times when you've shown generosity and you haven't told anyone? This is that, that sense of decrease, personal renewal as, as, we are, as we are content to decrease and become hidden in the desert places and come out of there with power. It's also mentioned back in that verse that we had at the start in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. That does not mean sort of put yourself down or have a low sense of self-worth or anything like that. It means you just, you're not drawing attention to yourself. You're drawing attention to God. You want God to have the glory. I'm nearly done. Another thing that we need to do if we're going to experience personal renewal is remember. I was reading Joshua earlier this week and after they crossed through the Jordan in Joshua 4, they were told to, to make a pile of stones. And, and the purpose of the stones was that in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off remembering what God has done. Or in 1 Samuel, that wonderful little Ebenezer moment, whenever they, they set up a stone again and call it Ebenezer, saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. Memorials, remembering, looking back. If you don't journal, start journaling. You don't have to feel bad if you don't journal every day, but get somewhere where you write down those important things. You won't remember them in the detail that you might think. Anytime anyone's ever praying for me, the iPhone comes out of the pocket. The voice memos app gets opened and I record it. <laughs> and I go home and listen to it and sometimes frequently type it out or write it out because I won't remember it. We need to remember. We need to go back and stir up what God has said. Just because it was a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, there's no shelf life on the promises of God over your life, folks. There's no shelf life. There's no use-by date. 
Go back and stir up the things that he has said. Let them be renewed in your heart and in your dreaming, things that God spoke over you. And you maybe think this will be be fulfilled tomorrow or next week. It might not. It might be years, but cling on to it. Cling on to it. I have a couple of books, notebooks at home and folders on my computer where I've got things that are written and they're precious to go back and remind yourself of what he has said. Paul tells Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God that's in you through the laying on of hands. Stir it up. Be renewed by stirring up what God has spoken over you in the past. Those things that a couple of years ago you were stirred for and you were agitated about and things that you wanted to do and people you wanted to minister to and ministries you felt rising up within you and then COVID hit and various other things hit and they've all sort of they've gone to the wayside. Pick them up again, okay? Pick them up again. Renew. What do you need to remember that God spoke to you in the past? Jesus said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, You have forsaken the love you had at first. And whenever Peter needed renewed in John 21, Peter comes out of his, his career as a fisherman. He follows Jesus passionately, walks closely with him, sees Jesus do amazing stuff, hears all his teaching, gets discouraged, quits, goes back to fishing. He needs renewed. And Jesus renews him with a question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Back to the absolute basics for personal renewal. And I want you to hear him and I want you to see him this morning. Please, not condemning a prayer life that's got a bit weak. Or, or an infrequency in reading the Word, or a lack of hunger for the things of the Spirit, or a tendency to not sacrifice and instead just fill your life with stuff that crowds God out. It's not to be condemned for those things, but to have this renewed sense of God speaking to me. Jesus is speaking to me by the Spirit through the Word, and He's calling me back to that place of pursuing hard following hard after him. Do you love me? I think Jesus knew the answer. (laughs) But Peter needed to say it. As a finish, I want to just read a slightly longer quote. I didn't have time to type out, but I want you to listen really carefully to this. Get this book, okay? It's It's called Reappearing Church by Mark Sayers. Reappearing Church. It's well worn out. It's been lifted off the shelf many times. But there's a few sentences that I'd just love to read to you from the bottom of of page 36, if anyone has a copy at home. He says, If you trace a revival back to its origins, you will inevitably find a person or a handful of people moved by God. People who... God took on a renewal process that first changed them before it changed others. They experience a microcosm of revival. Usually this process happens to people who are not necessarily the leader everyone is expecting to be used powerfully in a move of God. 
Instead, the process of renewal remolds them for God's purpose. Almost always, this renewal will occur in hidden places of obscurity, in a period of isolation in which deep roots are grown for the influence that is to come and resilience and perseverance are built for the resulting challenges. Personal renewal precedes corporate change. And there's something...